0: uh ladies and gentlemen boys and girls and friends beyond the binary and you patrons whether i'm sh- where you're streaming me or you're da- you downloaded me hopefully you're dreaming but i, I think i could probably do like uh, uh, hopefully you're streaming to a dreaming. time for sleep with me podcast you support and put you to sleep thanks patrons uh hey are you up all night tossing turning mind racing trouble Getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep. Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's keeping you awake. So, whether it's thoughts, feelings, so stuff on your mind, something you're feeling physically. Uh, physical, like uh, uh, physical or emotions bubbling up, uh, or in anything it could be a change in your routine, travel, uh, whatever it is uh, that's giving you awake. I'd like to take your mind off of that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to send my voice across the deep dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky dulcet tones, pointless meanders, uh, superfluous tangents. Um, what else? Uh, Pointless meander, superfluous tangents, forgetfulness, uh, momentary forgetfulness, uh, more uh, absent-minded professorness. I don't know if I'm exactly. I'm more empty. I'm more like a, like a, like not empty-minded. I wouldn't say I'm absent-minded or empty-minded. Like I would say, like now this will take some describing. Like hollow-minded, and what I say, what I mean, that is like a. There's things in there in my mind, but there's also a lot of hollow space. So there's echoes, you know. There's a you'd say, well, I'm not sure. Let's go walk around up there. Well, it's a winding path up there in the hollows of Scoot's mind. Oof. uh Carol King, if you want to make a song, that could be the song. If you want to write a song about me, in the hollows of Scoot's mind, it would have a very narrow appeal, I think. Uh, so we yeah maybe we'd have to think of it uh, a new title. I guess I got excited there. But uh, excuse me if you're new. Uh, bar, uh, pardon me. I was, I was saying excuse me to Carol King, and also excusing myself for going off topic so early. is very how how that does sound like some that was very hollow minded of me. I'm sorry. Uh, that d- does does that feel like a like a legitimate uh, equal to equal response there? Could you say? How come that feels more natural than absent-minded? I guess you say, "Well, you know what? That was very absent-minded of me." You'd say, "Well, we, like usually if you'd have a company You say, "We'll just write it down next time." I guess when you're hollow-minded, people would say, "Hmm, not sure what that means." That probably means there's an echo up there. I mean, here's a good thing. Probably like there's benefits to being hollow-minded. Breezy. It, I like echoes, so that's another one. put plenty of headspace. You'd say, "Whoa, look at the ceilings in this." Uh, is were we inside your mind? These are very high ceilings. So see, yeah, I've been thinking about getting some frescoes in here, but I'm just at the beginning of a podcast intro, uh, Michelangelo. Uh, so let me get back to, back to you. Excuse, ex- why don't you chat with Carol King? She's on, on a tour too. Okay, sorry, new listeners. I usually don't go off this topic so quickly. Well, actually, sometimes I do. If you're new to this podcast, welcome to Sleep with Me. They say, or I say, it's a podcast to put you to sleep. It's more a podcast to be here as you fall asleep. What I'm going to do is I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky dulcet tones, pointless meanders, superfluous tangents. I'm going to go off topic, as you've seen already, all to take your mind off whatever's keeping you up uh, and keep you company. Those are really my jobs as uh, a you say I guess you could wouldn't say that the, the, the hollow-minded professor doesn't sound they'd say I paid to go to the school absent-minded professor does sound more collegiate I don't know yeah I don't think that the hollow-minded professor would work uh, but you'd say okay we'll get back you're right oh my I'm just catching up with some of the echoes that I'm hearing in here okay but if you're new let me give you a couple other things. As you've probably already noticed, this podcast is a bit different. It's a fairly silly, it's a fairly silly and goofy. I tend to go off topic. I tend to circle back around. It's kind of a lightheartedness, but sometimes that can be tough if you're having trouble sleeping. Obviously, if that's why you're here, I'm glad you're here, and I hope I can help. Uh, but sometimes, it, like it's hard, to... like uh, this podcast is. Uh, I guess you'd have to imagine, we'll have to lean into this. If you were inside of a hollow-minded professor, I mean, first of all, what an adventure. You'd say, holy cow, you thought things were cool on Hoth or Bantu or whatever, wherever else, uh, you know, famous characters have been. been. Wow, I'm in this hollow mind, and I already forgot what I was going to talk about. I was trying to make a metaphor for the new listeners. Oh, because I'd say, instead of looking at this podcast as like a, a, a construct that makes any sense, yeah, kind of look at it like we're we're on a general tour of my hollow mind. You say, okay, wow, I can see where you put some frescoes up there. That really does seem like, uh, I can see the scaffolding now going up, uh, to, to, to say, uh actually, what about me doing some frescoes? Uh, forget Michelangelo. You say, "Scooch." How come you say it like that? And I say, "I don't know." It just it seems. Uh, also, by the way, that's someone in a Michelangelo uh, TMT, teenage teenage mutant ninja turtle. Uh, so I'm not 100 percent sure that's the actual real Michael, Michelangelo. So that might also be another reason why I'm saying it. Well, oh, but but uh, look at that. Uh, Carol King is petting Michelangelo's shell. So that's prob- that's probably nice. Uh, so, yeah, if you're new, don't. The, it can be hard not to take this podcast seriously, but kind of see if you could observe it in a, a passive way. Structurally, what to expect is that the show starts off with business, uh, and then there's some business between the intro and the episode, because that's how we keep the podcast free for everybody. Uh, then, after the beginning of the business, there's an intro, which we're probably like six minutes into, which is where I try to it, 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 just kind of get you ready for bed. And to ease you into bedtime, around 12 minutes of me messing around, you know, trying to find my way in my own own hollow brain. Because here's a legitimate question. Would I, if I was up there, would I have a, I guess I'd have a headlamp, uh, maybe one of those construction helmets with the lamp on there. You're right. Just in case, uh, you know, in case there's any, you know, falling gray matter. Or brain goop or goo, as I've talked about. Like they say, Scoots, are you a sleep guru? And I'd say no, I'm more of a sleepy goo brain. Uh, or goop, I'd say Goopa goo. I, I used to have a band called the uh goopa Goos. Uh, well, I imagine I dream. Just thought of that name actually. Right now, you're right. Uh, but we only stage concerts in the hall. Ho- you know, the hollow brain amphitheater. And actually, that's a metaphor. It's actually my brain's not hollow. It's just the, my brain zone is within a hollow space. And no, no more hollow than the average hollowness. You know, because it's, of course, how, how... Anyway, you're right. I I got to get off topic. Uh, uh, so I didn't even mean that pun, but that's the truth. I got to get back on topic. But So the intro is a, a wind down. A slow landing strip uh, for you to ease into bedtime. Uh, then there'll be some business, and we will be we'll be talking tonight about GOT. Uh, and uh, th- so we'll talk about the episode. Then we'll uh, talk about some facts. Then we'll talk about uh, we'll talk to Tom and Pounce. We'll talk to the old gods and the new. So a pretty long episode. If you haven't seen Game of Thrones, good news, you don't need to. With my recaps, uh, you'll sleep right through them. And if you don't, uh, it, or if you do watch Game of Thrones, you'll be like, huh, oh, what's who's talking about? I mean, if you're super listening, it could be spoiled, obviously, because I'm going to talk about the episode. But I try to talk about it in the most just vanilla way, because I know you're here trying to sleep. Uh, so I'm just here to you know, take your mind off stuff and keep you company. And just in case you can't sleep, it's just entertaining enough that, uh, you know, I'll be here and, you know, talk, rap, 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 rap I guess I will be prattling on and on. That was one of our first hits as the, uh, the, 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 go, go, go brains or whatever I called it. Uh, well, no, that was my Saturday morning ca- cartoon. And when I was a hero, go, go, go brain. And they said, actually, that was already a show. It's called Inspector. And I said, okay, touche. So the, I guess that's the main thing. So structurally what to expect, uh, uh, by this, these episodes are a little, well over an hour, well into almost a two plus hour range. Uh, so there's no pressure to fall asleep, even though it's a sleep podcast, I'm more here to keep you company and take your mind off stuff as you drift off. Uh, but there's also no pressure to listen because I'm going to be meandering around, uh, and you know, may, making echoes in my own, uh, you know, it's like enjoying the hollows uh, in the the you know the hollows within my mind. Yeah, hollow minded. I think I was using brained before, like in the middle. And I said, well, I don't like the way that's sounding. That's why I tried to move. And I said, oh, because I I don't I forgot I was using hollow minded. That's a much more neutral term. I think that you could use, if you, if you feel like you did something that you need to apologize for because you were being hollow minded, I think it's okay to test that out. As a, like, don't test it out as a test apology, but if you say, I guess like, l- let's just test it out as like being, I don't think all how, like, here's an SAT question. If you're writing any of them, uh, sometimes hollow uh, mind, you know, I can only speak for myself, uh, not all hollow minded people, but, uh. You know, sometimes we could be inconsiderate. Are all hollow-minded people inconsiderate? No. But maybe if you were inconsiderate this week, you could say, geez, that was very hollow-minded of me. I'm sorry uh, that I, uh, uh, you know, left your soda out on the counter and it, it went to room temperature. You know, it was hollow when you say, what is it? Oh, I'm incons-, you know, it was inconsiderate of me. I didn't realize uh, I guess, I guess it was absent-minded and so well in this case it kind of was because I was just moving it uh, and I put it out so yeah but uh I'm sorry I guess is what I'm saying I don't know how we got into apologies or who I'm who I'm apologizing for uh whoever so did I sowed, I room warmed I'm sorry I didn't even I didn't even know about it till just now so maybe that's a self-apology but uh Here's the thing. I'm glad you're here. I really hope I can help you fall asleep. Uh, the show is a lot different. That's my main thing. But I make it because I care, and I believe you deserve a good night's sleep. And I'm just here to keep you company, to take your mind off of stuff and help. Uh, so again, thank you so much for coming by. I work very hard. I strive and I yearn to help you fall asleep. Uh, and here's a couple more ways we keep the show going. Uh, all right, I find, It's uh, finally time. Ta- it's time to. I, I was just going to say. I finally know the name of the episode just now when I sat down to record it. This is a season uh, eight, episode four or episode seventy-one of the entire series. And it turns out it's called "The Last of the Starks." Uh, so, I, and I haven't. I just found that out. So I haven't had time to really uh, uh, chew on that really. Uh, but it does have a last time. Then it has the same opening, I think. Uh, but the one thing I noticed if you really want to watch is, uh, uh, that the, in the middle floors of Winterfell, they look a bit broken down. I don't know if that was new or just something I first noticed, almost like a car that won't start or an engine that won't start. Uh, there's some gears on the floor and then the thing in the background that's kind of pulsating. I guess I don't remember now, but, uh. I don't know. And then the camera pans up, and I said, I know those splayed feet. I could just tell you whose boots those are anywhere. Except one thing I noticed is that there's, they're tied up towards the ankle. And I don't know if that was a traditional thing on those boots. It would make sense to get your feet in there. But, man, that would not keep the water, the cool out. And it's Sir Jorah with good color, uh, taking a big nap. In the, you know, he headed off to the farm. He's taking a big nap in the sky. And Khaleesi, we haven't, I don't know if we've seen her in this coat. I, I guess I would refer to it as coat. Uh, she had a very similar coat in red or white uh, with some red in it, almost like a yarn or a wool, maybe, which would make sense. I mean, Khaleesi, not only are fashion choices. Uh, perfect. I mean, lovely. And but, but but you say, well, that's very smart. wear for the north, uh, and dragon riding. Uh, so she. Oh, so it's a gray with a red or maroon uh, or a wine. How come gray doesn't get? I guess gray does get. You say, well, it's a slate. It's a, a carbon, charcoal. But this is definitely gray. Uh, then speaking of gray, graystone, is that where, I don't know. <laughs> Just trying to fit a joke in there. Uh, couldn't tell if uh, Khaleesi as she says goodbye to Jorah, whispers to him. Uh, then we see Theon with cast of the sea blue, little blue, blue, sea blue tint to him. Sansa gives him a beautiful Stark pin. I did like, really like this parallel opening. Uh, when I, when I first saw it after a while, it like, uh, I said, okay, the parallels are w- like, uh, maybe, but this was a really nice, uh, parallel opening of the Khaleesi, then Sansa. I finally took the time to look up the name of the, uh, uh, uh John's pet, uh, whose name is G.A., uh, Casper. And everyone's watching. There's lots of goodbye. A lot of people saying goodbyes, uh. Ari and Bran, uh, and uh, it was Casper, the 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 dog. Oh, dear. Is that what that says? Oh, dear, uh, it says John. Go oh, yeah. I said, oh, dear, is John about to make a speech? He said, what are we in, uh, Iowa? Like, uh, is, but he makes a speech. Uh, I mean, I like John. Don't get me wrong. Not, not so hot on his speeches. Uh, and he says, hello, Iowa. Uh, you know, re, you know why I'm here. You know, but he says, uh, sh- "Oh, she, I do like a shield guard the realms of people." Uh, Tyrion. Oh, uh, what does that say? I don't know. It, it says Tyrion. But then I notice uh, San was next. I think Sam was like in maybe, if you watch in the background, at some point he steps to the side uh, behind Sansa. And I think that might say Tyrion. I don't know. Uh, free folk, we see this is kind of the camera panning. Aria uh, says goodbye to Barrick. Uh, Sam says goodbye to Ed. Uh, John says goodbye to Liana. Or Liana shares a look with Khaleesi. Oh, John and Khaleesi share a look. Uh, Khaleesi's look is both sad and fierce. And there's some sadness as, uh, They float away uh, like on a you know in the the mist time for the misty misty eyes in in the mist of the mist of the big farm. Uh, Masan Masande, Sornoros. I don't know that. So she's watching. I think Grey Worms with her. Uh, Arya, there's music. uh, There's the mist. You could also say it's smok. E John, well, I noticed a Khaleesi's dragon pin, which I'm even looking at more now. It's a three-headed dragon pin. It probably, I mean, good because she really has a lot of layers. But for someone like me, that's always bumping into stuff, it would definitely not last as long. And uh, I guess I don't imagine myself having my chest against stuff all the time, but it just like it wouldn't, it would wouldn't last for me. Not that I need a pin. And then there's a big dinner, and already for me, like you want to talk about archetypes from Game of Thrones, that like I say, okay, big dinners. I'm not comfortable with big dinners. Uh, uh, I think that's like a thing because you say, okay, well, this is not especially if we don't see Arya. Uh, but banquet halls and Dr- game of thrones do not go like banquets in any communal meals that i this was a, like i'll tell you a spoiler this was the best communal meal in the history of game of thrones probably i mean maybe season one maybe they can have them at a uh, maybe season one i can't remember if there was a big dinner presumably there presumably there was uh when robert got there and even that one there probably was a little tension or something but uh yeah there hasn't been a dinner this was an awkward dinner uh and that was like the worst i mean that was as so bad as it got uh let's see we have the seating wise at the head tables a sansa john and the khaleesi i mean super awkward but not so much everybody's kind of chattering there's lots of close-ups uh Kind of this one coming up here. I think it's here. Of uh, Maybe is it Gendry the first one? Yeah, let me rewind it here. Uh, let's see what our timing is. It's around 10 minutes in. Yeah, here we go. It's at eight ish And then there'll be another one. They're like these, I I, I don't know this for a fact because I'm not that studied in film, but they seem like these Stanley Kubrick uh, style kind of just off side uh, close subset characters. There's one of Gendry. And then later, I think there's one of the Khaleesi. Oh yeah, that's an important moment. Uh, so we see Gendry and the Hound are talking. Hey, where's Arya? Uh, you seen her? And, you know, he wants to go look for uh, Hound. Sees right through it. His Gendry tries to leave, Khaleesi calls him out. At first, it seems it was awkward the whole time, but that was part of like the Khaleesi's... Uh, Kind of connect, you know, ability to connect, uh, in one you know, being so, uh, yeah, I don't know, but she says, uh, oh, are you, uh, son of Robert baratheon And say, so, so, oh, is it trouble? Even, uh, Onion Knight gives John a look like, uh oh. Yeah, but she almost has this Oprah moment. She doesn't go full Oprah. She just gives him a title, but she doesn't go, you get a title. You get a, you know, you get a hold fast. Uh, you get, but she gives him, uh, Whatever that place is called, uh, Storms End. He's she goes. Who's the Lord of Storms End now? First she says that, and no, even Sam doesn't know if it's a rhetorical question or not. He has a really great look. Uh, he says, mm, "That's a good question. I'd have to go back I'd have to go over to Old Town and, uh, huh. or in Sam's even thinking, is she being rhetorical, or should I start to look into this?" And, uh, even, I don't think it's three eyed Raven even now. And he's, and then there was another kind of thread through this episode. He goes, I can't cause I'm, uh, you know, uh, like, uh, Ro- like Robert was my father. You know, he, he says, cause of my situation, which is similar to John's situation or, you know, the J- situation. And she goes, Nope, I just made you your Lord, yo. And then the Onion Knight, it's still tense because it's kind of, Khaleesi kind of fumbles with it a little. Uh, so the Onion Knight goes to Lord Gendry. And then, of all people, the next person we kind of hear shouted out is Brienne. And the hound does not, he's not having any of it. He just says, no thanks. Uh, what does it say? Sam and Sue. Uh, oh, somebody, they shoot, like, uh, Sam and Sue, neither. Oh, Sam was some dude, some northern dude. I said, "Who's that northern dude?" And they shake Endry's hand. Uh, uh, then Khaleesi says, "You're not the only one who's clever at Tyrion." And then Sansa gives uh, gives Tyrion a look like, uh, "Gross! Uh, you're just giving. It, she's just giving out." Uh, she goes, "If you're gonna give something away, do it like Oprah. You give one to everybody in the audience." Uh, she goes, come on, give us some hold fast or something. Also, I don't know what a whole I didn't look that up either. Uh, J- oh, what does that say, John? Oh, Jamie and Brianne drink. Uh, the Onion kind of does a quick fill in, a little bit of, of exposition, just a teeny teensy bit uh, on the Red Woman. Yeah, this was something I was gilding myself for, maybe uh, looking forward to. There really wasn't a lot of exposition in this episode which I, I did not think was necessary, but of course, like, uh, like, I, like I said last or two episodes ago, if, if, Tyr- if I, I could listen to Jamie and Brian or Jamie and T- or Tyrion and Brian talk for hours about exposition or backstory or world building or whatever. But anyway, he's, he's just a quick thing. Uh, uh, bit, I guess, I don't know what that meant. Uh, oh, a bit, uh, I guess. That's what I put, uh, Oh, but the really dunks on the Lord of Light. Uh, he's he's not having the Lord of Light. I said, buddy, you, I got a belief system you could believe in. The Lord of Light's not even in my belief system. Not, I mean, I didn't even, I wasn't even aware of the Lord of Light when I came up with it. Uh, let's see, yeah, like I, I don't think I've ever used the term dunks on in the podcast, but like these. Uh, these terms from 20, 2015, but uh, I'm going to use another one soon. Wes is still have to contend with. Uh, I don't know what that means. Uh, he should join me. We still have to contend with us. Uh, th- that's what Tyrion says. We might have taken out the, uh, the ice people, but the hound wants more wine. It, and Tyrion kind does an awkward compliment on Brand's wheelchair. But Bran says, actually, this is a design, same design that, uh, Darren Targaryen got, uh, he says, well, you, so they talk, he goes, I don't really want any more. I mean, I guess the only thing I'm going to, I'm going to miss Bran if we don't see him again, uh, these next two episodes. I mean, really, really, again, again, cause could you give like a bonus hour episode? I mean, really, that would be my sleep podcast and, and not even sleep. I'd probably just chill, uh, I mean, this show has so many good melodious voices in unique ways. I think Brand Seri raven voice. Obviously, the Onion, Barrack Dondarrion, yeah, Sir Jor. Those are those are probably the top voices. Tormund. Well, Tormund's just getting too weird, man. You shouldn't envy me. He says mostly, I live in the past. Uh. Oh, yeah, because like like, gets into this, like, uh, like bra mode where he's like, uh, let's bounce some drinks, John. And I guess it was like, is that goat's milk or whatever, giant's milk, which it was not. Uh, I don't believe. I mean, I guess you could say, actually, a Scooter, <laughs> say thanks. Uh, uh, Khaleesi uh, it cheers his a- aria uh pound by uh, i think john pounds down a drink or maybe tormund does uh sansa gives a look uh to, to khaleesi on that cheers to aria uh, and then sansa's out uh then we have Pod Jamie drinking with uh, Tyrion being a little bit of a B-U to the L to the L to the Y on Brienne. Subtle, but passive, but aggressively passive or whatever. And maybe Brienne was fake drinking. Uh, Tormund overdoes it. He's doing his like, little buddy thing with John and his uh, second life, but, which I guess, I don't know. It's like, is that, pu- is that fully public information? Says not this one. Uh WTF comes uh, keep going. WTF Birch. What does that mean? I think Torman says something weird, man. Oh, he does say something. He has one line, uh, I guess that was my WTF. I think it's here. He say, he has this one another weird line in this episode. No Danny doesn't get any credits. And, of course, at 1816, this is when the, um, there's a uh, this Kubrick-Danny face. And this one was, I felt like, from a Stanley Kubrick movie because it believes this music, uh, there's a focus pulled to Varys. Uh, Danny's not feeling comfortable, so it kind of, uh, the audio changes and the, the viewpoint changes. And she says, I got to get out of here. And Varys follows her. Uh, then all the laughing drunks, they get a little bit, uh, not nice. There's too much, Tyrion gets too much truth out, uh, not like he does. Uh, so Brienne's out Then Tormund, oh, this is where Tormund got weird. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is where he says something. I'm like, did you just say that man? It was actually funny, but it was like, is that true? Uh, then Jamie follows Brienne. Tormund puts the things together. Tyrion tops his drink off. And then Padrick smiles, smiles at, uh, I appreciated this brief moment because Podrick smiles at Tormund, which kind of bounces us. This- oh no, that was Gendry actually. Okay. So no, I was wrong where Tormund thought Gendry was like, uh, like he was confused with. So then Tormund walks off, uh, he has wet eyes as he talks to the Hound of his uh, loss of the love of Brienne. Now, Sansa's watching this, and I didn't know if the women delivering wine were like hired by Sansa, because uh, then the Hound wants to be alone. But Sansa rolls up, and they have this—this this is really one of the high points of the episode, this quick little bird discussion— But again, I don't know, like it was a little bit like them saying all of it was necessary for me to get here uh, to where I am. Uh, Talk, passing the time. I don't know what that means. Uh, Oh, they talk about the passing of time. The hound and the hounds. uh, And the hound says only one thing that will make me happy. And I don't know if this is a direction, misdirection or not, or if it's just like expect the game Bowl, as we've been, people have been talking about for a few years now. He says you should have stayed with the Hound. That's when she says no. Then uh, the party gets too, drunk, too crazy. Yeah, Gendry finds Arya, who's doing target practice. This was another really uh, high point of the episode, so I liked how these were back-to-back. He says, uh, I'm, uh, celebrating or, uh, you know, I'm the Lord of the storm's end now. Uh, he goes, will you be my lady? He's kind of looks and then she gets down, he's on his knee and she gets down. She gives him a serious kiss, a deep kiss. Uh, she goes, you'll be a good Lord, but I'm, yo, I'm not, I'm not a lady. Never have been. That's not me. Sorry, bruh. And, uh, Gendry's kind of, I'm like, dude, don't you know anything about Arya? Like, like, I mean, no offense. I was like, what are you even asking that for? But I guess for us to see her answer, it was worth it. Uh I said, Gendry, man, you go back to Storm's End. Well, I've never been there. Okay. Why don't you head out there now? Uh, Brianne keeps a good fire. Uh, she knows how to really keep it. She has a whole... She explains briefly her fire methodology and uh, uh, Winterfell. We also see her jewel encrusted sword. Jamie rolls in with some Dornish wine, takes his jacket off. Uh, they, she ta- yeah, they talk about keeping a- I thought this was a nice subtext actually, because they talk about keeping a fire going, and I said a hem, a hum, whatever you say when you clear your throat. Because thematically that'll come to the, su- the subtext is said uh, who's Jamie keeping his fire going for, uh, north cruise on you don't things. Oh, oh, she says the north will grow on you. And Jamie goes, I don't want things growing on me. Uh, Jamie all, oh, he's still kind of being a little like a pa- passive aggro. Uh, Jamie needs, oh, ne, Jamie needs help getting his shirt off, even undone. There was also, Jamie made a joke. I, I tried to rewind it a few times. I couldn't tell exactly what it was. Uh, it wasn't, I, I don't know. Honestly, I said, wait a second, what did he say? And then we have John drunk and pensive by his fire. And Khaleesi shows up and she goes, are you drunk? He goes, uh, no, uh, oh, yeah, a little bit, uh. Then I said, this is why I, know I can't have you making speeches, John. He goes, I didn't know Sir Jorah that well. And he said, what the heck, man? And they talk about love and love Jorah. And Galicia says, uh, what does this say? I don't know. She says, you know, I didn't love him like I loved you. What does this say, though? Is that one right, uh yeah, but he's, they say, let's kiss on it. Oh, is that all right? Maybe she says, uh, yeah, and they say, let's kiss on it. Uh, until John, of course, uh, has a moment to think, I mean, they real, like, uh, they do some pad heavy padding. Uh, but then I said, it, it didn't like, I, I mean, this is the scenes I do like is when I don't understand what's happening, the motivations of the characters. I mean, it gets to one of the reasons John's theme is John's a little bit more understandable. Where they said, Is the Khaleesi, so did John pause because he said, Well, this is my aunt, or, you know, would it like uh, his Boy Scout type of routine? Or is the Khaleesi, is this an intentional move by the Khaleesi to manipulate John? And he detects that. I don't know. Uh, So it was Danny there on purpose. Uh, Why did you tell. She, but I did, I, I don't know, I think really she was being honest. She goes, why did you even tell me? Uh, and then I said, I know that look. Uh, uh, oh, she talks about how, like, uh, John, everybody loves John here. And she goes, i never gotten that look on this side of the sea. And she goes, you want me to, you, she goes, you want to make this work? Say nothing. The uh, Khaleesi is definitely con- very concerned about this whole, uh, uh, I mean, understandably, the kind of success, su- su- whatever, succession. Just started watching season one of that, too. Holy cow. But John, of course, he says, I'm a Boy Scout. I owe them the truth. Uh, and then we have this theme that comes up, I think, three times in was episode of begging. Uh, Danny actually begs. Uh, and I did have to WTF it because uh, he said, wait a second. uh Is this? I don't know. But uh, John says, "You're my queen. Nothing will change." Uh, uh, That they are my. But he goes, you nothing changed with you." But those, they're my family. And she goes, "I just told you how to fix things." F O double O L. Uh, So I don't know. Maybe this is like a, a double flaw scene. I don't know. Sometimes I mean, honestly, I'm you know probably jealous of John. I mean, not in this particular situation because <laughs> it's complicated. But uh, I don't know. Are we seeing John's flaws? Because now it's like, uh, and I don't know. John's uh, playing by the rules has constantly kind of caused him. Uh, so, so I don't know. But I don't know if it's foreshadowing or or what, or just projection. Uh, then we go to Jamie, who can't sleep. Uh, it looks like it wrote Bummerland. Uh, But but I think it's like Brianne uh, is sound asleep. Yeah, that's what it says. Uh, Half drops out. What does that mean? Talking about a plan. Half drops out. uh, Talking about a plan. I don't know. Cersei will lie. Okay, I think this, oh, this is a, so this is when they're coming up with the plan. Right, uh, 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 what is this, uh, I don't know what this one is, let me, uh, I think this is when they're doing their planning, let me just fast forward here, so I, I actually, believe it or not, I actually got ahead of the episode, we got some kissing going on between Danny and John, now we, now we get some buffering, you never, you know, a sleep podcast, uh, they really talk to each other in different angles, too, I guess, to make it... Uh, like John moves around a lot. Okay, we get got Brianna asleep. Oh, yeah, so it's a planning meeting, so they're making their plans. Uh, oh, half troops out. Uh, that's what that says. They also say, how's everybody going to remember? Cer- Cersei's going to lie. And then I used my second pop culture reference, other than Dunk sound. Khaleesi's on tilt uh, the rest of the episode, I'd say. Uh, we do have Dorn back in now, but just because Khaleesi's on tilt doesn't mean she can't come back in the next two episodes and not be on tilt. Uh, and what does tilt mean? We'll talk about that probably if we have time in the rec- or the facts. But it just means uh, she's uh, uh, she's got so much uh, o- she's overwhelmed and she's uh, not thinking clearly, so she's acting uh, against her own best interests. Uh, yeah it's like an aggression against your own best interest. Me, that's what being on tilt means to me or uh, the opposite, I guess too. Uh, it's also when, uh, when you're on tilt, can everyone can see it, but you that, like, that's one of the other features of it. So I think it was like a, it's a pinball term, probably a term before that. And then you get used in po- during the great poker Renaissance. Uh, that was like 15 years ago or whatever. Uh, this looks like it says Starks in Budapest, uh, but I don't know what it means. Uh, Starks in the Budapest, b- b- uh, until people need to rest and recoup. Oh, so the Starks, uh, Starks are, uh, they say will help, but Stansa says uh, after everybody rests and recuperates. And Khaleesi says, no, no way. And then John bends his knee. He says, actually, no, this was like, I guess, like thinking back on it now that I've seen it a few times, it's like, uh, and it's like Sansa's actually doing what's best, uh, maybe. And by like the Khaleesi and John, I guess, are kind of uh, acting against their both, both best interests, it would seem to me. Because if they just would rest at Winterfell. Uh, they could get everybody... I don't think... It, like They could send out some people, people to keep an eye on stuff. Also, what happened to all of Varus's eyes and stuff if you keep an eye on things? Uh, like, uh, for much activity he has in this episode, it's like, dude, I thought you had birds everywhere. Arya and Sansa share a look with this whole thing as John says, okay, Khaleesi, we'll do whatever you want. Uh, uh, John. And Davos, oh, John and Davos and the troops are going to head down the King's Road. Uh, Jamie's going to be a guest uh, uh, of Winterfell. Rifle Queen, uh, they, uh, Khaleesi says that, and stares at Sansa. Then Arya blocks John as everybody tries to exit. She goes, family talk, buddy. So then the poor Weirwood tree has to listen in to all this uh, as uh, the... the uh, four Starks. Uh, I mean, Gent's still the same amount of Stark. It's just a different Stark parent. Uh, uh, so let's see. Sansa, Sansa, Arya, oh, they play a little, it's a little bit of a fake out, which they've done before with the little finger. Uh, where they kind of act like they're disagreeing or maybe they do disagree, but Arya says, uh, comes down to like, we don't trust your queen. Uh, she's not one of us. A really good dialogue worth checking out here. Because I don't want to go through all of it. Uh, but J- I mean, I guess John says if you don't trust people you grew up with, you're not going to uh, have many I- allies. Uh, or if you don't trust, if you only trust people that you grew up with. Uh, Nori says I don't need many allies. Uh, so they talk about family. And uh fumbles in because they said, Well John says I'm not they see well, you are a Stark, you are a member of our family. And I said, Maybe I should sit down with John and show him like uh if your mother's a Stark okay, uh, your father's a Targaryen, uh you're still fifty percent Stark uh. I mean maybe a line I don't know, I, again whatever line of succession, but who, who cares? Uh, But then there's another thread in this episode of people making their choices, uh, or some characters making their choices, not everyone have to swarm. Oh, another one, people swearing promises. uh, So there's choices, promises, uh, whatever the third thing I said wasn't begging. I'll come up multiple times this episode. Tyrion and Jamie are talking about Brianne. Uh Tyrion's making tall jokes, climbing mountains. Uh, they say, cheers to climbing mountains. I said, uh, again, is that some foreshadowing or what? Uh, and Brown rolls in. He, he talks about their blonde tufts. Uh, he, he's negative. I think that's what this says. Uh, he has like this un- unfriendly hedge. uh which I guess, uh, like uh, politically or whatever, I don't know how else to describe it. Bran's uh, had enough of dealing with uh, the rich people. Uh, but basically, he asked for double river run, which is High Garden. He'd be Lord of the Reach. Jamie says, "What are you nuts?" Yeah, I, don't I guess I didn't like this scene just because, as a fan, I guess as a fan of Bran being teamed up with Jamie or somebody else. Uh, I mean, maybe it'll happen in the next two episodes, but. I just been a, f- a fan of Braun, uh so to know he, he's probably uh I don't know. And he says, Give me your word, uh Second Round of Pennies, uh I don't know what that means. I really don't know what that means, uh Second round of pennies, uh but he says I'll find you when the war's done. Give me your word Second Round of Prunes, uh I don't know. Uh, then we have another, this one was a little bit for me, fan service in a good way. Because we have the Hound walking and his collides, he's on a horse, a Clydesdale horse. And uh, next thing you know, you see Aria. Uh, and he says, oh, geez. And she goes, you're on your own? He goes, not anymore. What about you? She goes, they say well, I don't like crowds. Same here. Where are you going? Where do you think? Uh, I got some unfinished business. Me too not planning on coming back me neither so maybe the last of the starks just means these three three and a half starks this was it could have been called three and a half well actually uh three had raven's not a stark anymore and i would venture to say Arya is not a stark anymore uh, she's become she's a, a faceless person uh, i mean that might be out there but uh so that leaves us with one and a half Starks, uh, Sansa, and it gets by Jon's reasoning, he's not a Stark, he's a Targaryen. I don't know, maybe I'm reaching, or maybe it was just meant those four would have a meeting. I mean, but Sansa, Sansa excuse me, is the one that stays in the north. Then we see Danny and the dragons. Uh, Sansa's watching, he rolls up my lady. She doesn't say nothing. He says, you're supposed to say my lord. And Sansa says, Why hurry? really think she's going to be a good queen? There's lots of, like, I guess another thing that comes up in this episode is like people not looking at one another and looking. Uh, to analyze uh, your queen, too. She says, Sansa says, Are you afraid of Khaleesi? Uh, then we get this Nada Stark, uh, what if someone better out there. And eventually he walks away. She calls him back. She spills the beans uh, that she had learned from, because oh, John tells Arya, and, or John has Brian tell Arya and Sans at the family meeting uh, that, you know, he's like uh, everything about uh, the Targaryen stuff. Uh, and then we see Onion and John on a horse. I don't know if John was on a horse he got back off. Uh, he says goodbye to Tormund. Who is another good line. Really, that's like one of the funniest lines of the season. Uh room to wander. This isn't home. So this is our goodbye to Torment. I believe uh, he does it. this one. I, I I can say out of all of John's decisions, you'd uh, say, okay, if you're not going to get my vote, uh, because he just says, here, take take a uh, Casper with you, my dog. I mean, honestly, that like this was. Uh, there's things I get outraged about. Uh, what does it say, hippy up there? I don't know. I think he says we're gonna be happy up there, We've room to roam, room to wander. So new, oh so well, so we so new, well, you're. I don't know, but he says so so long or whatever, farewell. You never know, we might see each other again. Yeah, then we have Sam and Gilly and the future Charlie. Uh, John says, I hope it's a girl. And Sam says, you're the best friend I've ever had. And John says, you too. No, oh yeah, I said no friggin' goodbye for for the dog, Casper. Again, I, I was just, I just didn't like this. I mean, Nymiria, which is uh, Arya's dog, went through the same thing, I guess. Uh, Nymiria. I think that was the name of her wolf. Or dog, you know, that's when I try to... I couldn't believe it. Uh, so then we have uh, Casper, Tormund, Sam, and Gilly. They say goodbye. Then we see sh- ships holding ships at sea, and uh, Grey Worm or Bay Worm, as uh, Masande calls him. Uh, was, she calls him that. I, I mean, uh, the, uh, anyway, it's, uh, but anyway. Uh, but not uh, not on the show, anyway. Uh, smile, they have smiles. They're holding hands, uh, which makes the episode more. Uh, then Varys and Tyrion are down in the cabin, uh, and we get this conversation twice in kind of two different forms. Uh, uh, Very, they both know now. They say eight people know, so it's not a secret; it's information. And then they say, "Well, what about what should we do?" Like Catelys on tilt, and then they say John wants to bend the knee. Varys says, "What he wants does not matter." And Tyrion says, what about marriage? She goes, is marrying your aunt common in the north? Uh, What does it say? Does not like having an autumn quadrant. I don't know what that means. It does not like uh, having another, oh, uh, anyone question her authority. Khaleesi does not like having her authority questioned. Uh, They go, this is our job. We're her advisors. Uh. And Tyrion says, maybe Cersei will win and they'll solve everything. And I put, oh, dear. Not sure what happens here. Not sure what happens here. Some weird face-off. Uh, Khaleesi and Matt. Oh. Yes, yeah, so, this so, okay, this is on the boat. Uh, uh, then there's uh, some weird face-off. Oh, okay, so then, like, uh, let's see. Then somehow, without various birds, they didn't know, uh, that Euron was going to show up and take one of the dragons away and their, most of their boats. Uh, Grey Worm says, uh, get to the skiff now. Uh, we, uh, I saw that they had like uh, octopus arms on their uh, uh, launchers. Uh, Tyrion, uh jumps in. I thought the episode might end here because it faded out, uh, but it was just a fake out. Thank goodness, because it was like it was like you can't end it now. Uh, but then like I guess I did wish it just ended there. But uh, so Tyrion's in the water, No Masande. Uh, all the boats are gone. One of the dragons took a trip to the big farm. Uh, not Ra- yeah, Rhaegar, Rega Rha- 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 Rha or whatever. Uh, Cersei. What does this say? Oh, then we see that we go down to King's Landing. We see Cersei. She's letting all the people into the Red Keep. Uh, Clyburn and Euron are there. They see Queen. She goes, "I'll be the like uh, Queen of the the Lion in the land, the Kraken in the sea. It uh, will rule the sea, and our child will rule them all." And she goes, keep this keep open for the innocents to come in here. Then she says, so much for Breaker, the chains, and it's revealed that Masande is with them. Oh, I said, oh, no. Uh, then we're back at the planning room. Khaleesi tilts over a lion. Uh, something, I don't know what this says. It looks like a gray I mean, Grey Worm had a lot of faces, but Varys says, you know, I told you I'd look you in the eye if I disagreed you. First, he's not looking right. her head. Then he does. He goes, this is a mistake. Uh, too many innocents. Uh, he goes, do not become what you struggled to defeat. Uh, and she goes, are we here for a reason or what? Uh, and this is exactly what this person on tilt would say. Uh, We're here to free the worlds of tyrants via ty- tyranny. Uh, Uh, and father I don't know what that meant Uh, then Tyrion says well let's make an offer at least and uh, Khaleesi's right she goes it won't work Uh, Cersei will refuse Uh, and then uh, drums and looks uh, oh yeah and then everybody shares the looks then we have one more talk uh, with Varys and Tyrion Talking about tyrants and destiny. Uh, some of the same talk as before, but he goes, "There's John Snow, a solution." Varys says, uh, "Who's going to be the better ruler?" I put neither. I mean, maybe that's just my bias. Uh, Varys says, "Maybe the best ruler is a person who does not want to rule." And then Tyrion's again. What about marriage? And Varys says, "She's too strong for him." And he goes, you're drinking a lot, dude. What the heck? We got, we're supposed to have our A game. And then Tyrion, I mean, I guess Tyrion says, this is, you know, this is when I have my A game. And he says, I believe in our queen. She'll make the right choice. So again, if we're seeing it through Tyrion's eyes, he say, okay, okay, let's be patient here. He says, with the help of her advisors, of which we are two. And then again, this choice idea comes up. Each of us has a choice to make. Uh, and Varys also lays out that he's for the realm, the people of the realm, uh, kind of the innocence, I guess, uh, which again, is a callback to you know other discussions then we're back at Winterfell. There's work going on, uh, Jamie sees Sansa and Brienne whispering, uh, they try and then she goes, yeah, Rhaegar's out, uh, uh, and, uh, Missandei's, uh, down south, uh, and Sansa's kind of a little smug. She goes, yeah, I always wanted to be there, uh, uh, when, uh, Cersei went bye-bye. And Jamie's kind of stunned, uh, he's, and then we cut to him sitting by a fireplace with his arms crossed. Be, Reanne's asleep, uh, uh, lots of furs in the bed, uh, Jamie's out, no goodbye, yeah, but then Brian hears the door close, so she goes out. She goes, you're not like your sister. You're a good man. Please stay. Another round of kind of begging. Uh, and again, with the character, I don't, and, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I do know Brian was in love with Jamie, but uh, uh, I, I think she would, have I don't know, but she begs him to stay. I mean, maybe she's begging him to stay for him because she doesn't, yeah, I guess maybe that's why it's okay for her to beg. She's just she's, just, she just, she's not begging for her. She's just saying, dude, if you go there, and he goes, I'm not good. For, he goes, I'm not a good person. Uh, all that I did for Cersei, she's hateful and so am I. And uh, then the brands, you know, obviously her kind of, her heart's very sad. Uh, then it's out, then we're outside the Red Keep uh, and uh the keep lots of, Seems look more smug. Okay, so let's see. Outside Red Keep, lots of, uh, oh, there's lots of those anti dragon things, uh, yeah, but there's lots of shared looks. Uh, everybody up top is smug, yeah, in the keep. Uh, we Missande- see, except for masande. yeah, dragon bows, uh, Stage dows uh, Oh, stare downs. There's a ton of stare downs. This Andrew, it looks like Cyberman out surrender. But Clyburn comes out, he says, uh, and then Tyrion goes forward for the parlay or whatever. And Tyrion says, you got to surrender. And Clyburn says, you got to surrender. Nope, nope. Uh, and Tyrion says, come on, man. And he goes, dude, I'm a mouthpiece. But he goes, by the way, we're totally confident. Uh, uh, we also see Missandei's kind of caught in the middle of this negotiation and it does turn on a bunch of, uh, I mean, there is tension in the scene cause, uh, uh, he goes, we have a chance here. Help me. He kind of begs, uh, maybe this is, this the last beg of the episode? Yeah, he is now. So then, uh, Tyrion marches on to pitch uh, Cersei Circe and decency and survival, uh, he says, come on, come on. She kind of fakes out Tyrion at first. Uh, and then she says, no dice. But, but as he kind of begs her uh, to kind of see, like, uh, the sensible side, I guess. Even Euron, for for a quick second, looked unsure. Uh, he says, you're not a monster, Cersei. Uh, and she has to look away as he talks about kids and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I beg you, the third time this episode. Uh, then we have a series of shots with looks. Uh, Cersei makes her choice uh, with her eyes a slow. Oh, it's a slow reveal. She makes a choice with her eyes, not with her. her she, you see her face turn as uh, she makes her decision. I think I could only tell that in the second uh, second watch, though. At first, the first watch, I thought, uh, I was like, what is she going to do? Yeah, uh, But it's a slow reveal, but Danny and Grey Worm knew in the first watch and the second watch because it was the same episode. They step up, uh, and she goes, anything you got to say, uh, Sunday She goes, Dracarys, which I thought was, uh, I don't know, this is a tough Was uh, Grey Worm stunned uh, Tyrion broken diary mad Kubrick. Uh, that's with music. Uh, Oh, uh, Tyrion kind of is uh, broken. I don't think that's what it says. Daenerys is very mad. Uh, There's Kubrick music. uh, So I said, oh, this was uh, like a little bit of Kubrickian cinema here, maybe. Uh, uh, Danny walks off. uh, Tyrion gives an oh dear look. uh, Cersei has this like, her. Cersei has this look, like uh, I don't even like very, uh, like uh, like Jamie said, who she is, uh, and Danny walks off, uh, and that's the end of the episode. So that's so that's how the episode ended. Let's just look at a couple things that came up. Uh, Let me close that out. Okay, last of the Starks here. I'll link to it. There's an article about Danny's pin. Yeah, but I, I I won't bring that up. I'll link to that. Here's about uh Darren Targaryen. I wanted to look that up. It's D-A-E-R-O-N. And actually there's more than one. Uh, this is uh he's the son of Aegon the uh, Third. but there's also Daeron Darren the Good and Darren the Second. This is Darren the First of his name. Uh he tried to bring Dorne in But it was 18 years. He was called the Young Dragon. First uh, king was that name to be on the Iron Throne. Uh, Eighth king of Targaryen Dynasty to rule the Seven Kingdoms. He lived about 100 years before the start of this show. Or before the events leading up to the start of the show. Uh, succeeded, succeeded his father Aegon the Third. Kind of stubbornly tried to uh, get into Dorne. Uh, had no heir, so he was succeeded by Balor uh, the Blessed. Uh, I don't know what else is in here. There's a lot of, in the books, but that's kind of it about him. So maybe that isn't the one. Let's see if there's uh there's other darren's Dar- Dar- in the book. Uh, There's Darren the Daring, uh, Darren the One, uh, Darren the Second, the Twelfth King on the Iron Throne, uh, Prince Darren, uh, first born of Makar. So I don't know which one, uh, um, I don't know if one of them, was one of them the Three-Eyed Raven? I don't know. Let's see what Darren uh, Darren the Drunken, one of them was. uh, as the Makar son Uh, let's see Darren the second brought Dorne peacefully into the realm uniting all the lands Uh, so maybe this is him Uh, he uh, this is from the book Uh, uh, he was after uh, Balor the blessed and Darren the young dragon Uh, uh, he arranged the marriage of Darren uh, to uh, Maria Ma, mariah martel of dorn uh prince of Dragonstone uh, me, me, i don't know I don't see anything about it though but uh, who, who, oh he was involved in the Black Friday rebellion uh I thought somebody i thought I remember something about that but yeah so it's a little bit about it I'll link to that. Uh, so this is a movie review of a, a 80s movie that i don't necessarily there's like a big movie that either i may have seen and not paid attention i never saw it in the movie theater and i remember it was a really beloved movie and it has like iconic movie moments in it but i don't have honestly i don't know if i ever saw the movie or if i did i wasn't paying attention and i feel like kids in my class were always playing it uh but uh, this is Roger Ebert's review of uh, from February seventeenth, two thousand two, of uh, "Say Anything," and it's actually a Cameron Crowe movie. I can't believe I didn't know that. Uh, uh, the first time Lori Dobbler calls Diane Court to ask her out on a date, he dials uh, every number but one, and then brushes his hair before dialing it. He wants to look his best. Uh, he gets her father on the phone. And who uh, talks to her father about how great she is. Uh, this scene early in Cameron Crowe's Say Anything reflects one of the many virtues of the movie. In a lesser film, Lloyd would have gotten Diane on the phone at the first try, but it's important to establish that her father is a major player in the story. The movie, this movie is about honesty uh, and dishonesty. Uh, Lloyd is tall, loyal, and true. Tells the truth and seems especially frank about the fact he has no future. His career plans do not include college, uh, maybe kickboxing. Uh, but he kind of only is a teacher right now. Diane is a class Victorian and a winner of scholarship to England. This is kind of a plot. I don't want to go through the plot. I just wanted to see what the review was, uh, Uh, this is still more say anything depends above all on the human qualities of its actors uh kuzak and sky must have been cast for their clear-eyed frankness uh for their ability 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 to body the burning intensity of young idealism Uh, a movie like this is possible because the maker believes in its young characters and in doing the right thing staying true to oneself uh So that's just that was a little bit about it. Let's see what uh, I'll link to the um, Rotten Tomatoes on it. Uh, Let's see like uh, what uh, what Wikipedia has on it. Let's see. It came out in 1989. It's uh, very. It's on a lot of lists. Uh, It's 100 minutes long. Its budget was 16 million. It did 21 million at the box office. I'm presuming it did more. I guess it had a popular soundtrack, uh, I mean, I'm familiar with some of the songs, I'm not exactly sure, I mean, there's one scene that, uh, cultural impact, yeah, culturally recognizable scenes in American music, music history, oh, wow, James L. Brooks was the producer, James L. Brooks, I'm sorry, uh, uh, where James holds up, well, you, you know, I don't want to, uh, uh, mess it up for anybody, but yeah, that's just a little. I don't, I, I forgot why say something or something came up. Uh, let's talk about the term tilt in poker just because I wanted to dig into that. It's a poker term for the uh, state of uh, mental or emotional confusion or frustration when a player adopts a less than optimal strategy, usually resulting in the player becoming overly aggressive. It's uh, also closely associated with another term, steam. It's in it, placing someone else on tilt's an important aspect, which, again, it kind of calls back this episode to uh, the episode at the start of a battle of uh, the pinball or pool players. It is a relative occur- frequent occurrence through the frustration uh, or bad luck uh and it's important to recognize if you're experiencing it in, uh, or if other people are. One origin of the word is a reference to a tilting pinball machine, uh, which causes the players to, like, when you lose the ball, it causes people to uh thing. Uh, it was originally talked about people winning other games, at titles. Uh, so, that, I don't know, that's just a little bit about it. I thought it was interesting because Khaleesi's clearly on it. Yeah, uh, just wanted to link to a article in the Game of Thrones wiki about Dorne, uh, because I think that's like I don't know. I always find Dorne interesting just because it didn't get a ton of screen time. Maybe it will. A couple other links in there, but this is uh, we got two more episodes left, and I think they're both supersized. Uh, but well, of course, we still have more time with uh, Tom and Pounce and the old guys and the new coming up here. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I like saying that, uh, the Onion Knight dunked on the Lord of Light, but I just get a kick out of that, uh, all right, here we go. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary, uh, we, this is K Pounce Radio, we interrupt your, uh, regular scheduled programming, actually for a regular scheduled program, it's time for, uh, another episode about best friendship, uh, about a boy. And a cat uh, about a best friend and a best friend. Tales of with of best friends and of best friends. Uh, two hard-boiled detectives in the big city. It's time for Tommen and Pounce uh, in the world of noir chardonnay. Uh, K Pounce Radio. The radio of cats and best friends everywhere. Meow. It was a day just like any other day. Uh, that, what, uh, that I talk about with, uh, that, well, not like any other day, because some days I just, uh, you know... It was a day Sir Pounce and I went in our office in the back of Ch- B- Noir Chardonnay's club. Sir Pounce uh, taking a bath on my desk. Luckily, I had a desk set, a gift from Noir Chardonnay. Sir Pounce, you like taking a desk on my desk balada uh, Don't you? Meow, yeah, we. That's right, Uh, Noir Chardonnay had given me a bespoke desk set, bought at a store, and then a team of artists uh, that hang at the club, uh, but I was sitting there, Sapounce was taking a bath, the clock was ticking, we had an analog clock, Uh, originally we had one from a submarine uh, that Noir Chardonnay had given me, but it had to be wound and despite you know talking it out with multiple adult figures in my life at that time, I just get I when I would you would wind the clock with a key, and I would wear the key around my neck. It was a source of pride. I guess I'm going off topic, so Right, I'm supposed to talk it out to to to, to 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 let the feelings go free. And so I, I, I but I would I was constantly thinking. It brought me pleasure to wind the clock. uh, And uh, it brought me too much pleasure, so I ended up winding it too much because I just couldn't. uh, And so I learned a valuable lesson, get a clock with a battery. Uh, So that's what we had now. Also, you get a clock, a winding clock. You say, well, that's my pleasure clock. I wind it for pleasure, not for keeping time. And that is another lesson I learned through Noir Chardonnay uh, who said maybe this could be a pleasure clock. And I said w- w- a crock? What a I don't understand. Pleasure crock. I said, Oh okay. Okay. But then someone else explained it to me and looked at it. But so now I wind clocks for pleasure. Also sometimes when I shout that, people giggle uh, which I haven't learned why, but that's what I do, I, sit, I have my key still, so lesson learned, but uh, there was sitting, there uh, pleasure on my mind, uh, when in the office walked in, uh, someone who, uh, who took my breath away, well, we'll just to be clear, and, uh, she, she was, uh, she was cool, she was confident, her eyes, uh, like the color of an ice wall, in uh, with the spring sunlight on it, uh, and she said, uh, "Well, hello. Uh, I'm looking for Tom." And and, uh, and and she looked at me like she didn't know what to say, and it was like we were two strangers, meeting for the umpteenth time, and the first time we were all together. Also, had a ceiling fan that was dramatically spinning with a shadow that would fall across my face uh, as I watched her with my collar upturned, and I had nothing to say. So I said nothing to quote one of the pot Man's favorite books. And she, 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 she was uh, th- she was thinking what to say when sir Pounce, uh, it was because was kind of hidden behind the, the pens of the desk set. Sopounce hopped up from Sopounce's bath, and she said, well, oh my, who's this uh, uh, kind of little fellow? And uh, she, she, she was standing, so Sir Pounce couldn't naturally hop into her lap. Uh, but I said, well, that's uh, Sir Pounce, my best friend, my business partner, and, uh, you know, the person who, uh, you know, my best friend, Sir uh, And she said, oh, Sir Pounce, pleased to meet you. I've been looking for the two of you. And I said, well, we're here, we're here to take your case, I could tell you're looking for something, you're trying to figure something out, uh, and it's out there in the big city, the answers, so, so let's go. And she, she almost said something, but then Sir Pounce walked out the door, tail in the air, and usually when Sir Pounce's tail's high in the air, you don't, you know, you just instinctively close your mouth anyway, because you're seeing the back of Sir Pounce, we say it politely, and also Sir Pounce's posture. You know, other than looking at the back of Sir Pounce, uh, like, uh, when, w- other than that direct straight-on view with the tail up, uh, uh, when you're not looking directly at that eye, I guess you'd say, you, uh, Sir Pounce strikes, cuts a pose. Uh. So she, she followed Sir Pounce up the stairs, out of the office, uh, and into the sea streets, and I was there behind her. You know, it was the city. It was the afternoon, but it was a foggy afternoon when we walked outside, say. It was that city, that city with a clock on every wall. Very few of the clocks kept the same time, but they all moved at the same pace. All of them, even the ones that had been leisurely overwhelmed or weren't working, and twice a day those clocks were right. Heh <laughs> she So we walked through this city full of clocks uh, everywhere, a clickety clock, I guess I'm getting distracted. Uh, and I said to her, My uh, you back there you took my breath away. There's something about you something confident uh something comfortable with a confidence that is underlined by some sort of kindness and and gentleness. But if that gave you all the answers, you wouldn't be here looking for Sapouts and I, would you now? And she sighed, and I could tell uh, that we had work to do. So I took her down to one of my favorite spots in the city, the bespoke district where things are made by hand. Things are made by craft. uh, where barbell mustaches are a dime a dozen if you buy them, but there's also people, lots of people with barbell mustaches and uh, many other things, top hats galore. One of the things I found, you know, that when I couldn't wind a clock that relaxes me, that helps me think on cases is uh, the churning of butter. And uh, we sat there and we watched uh, the bespoke butter churners uh, churn butter, not far from the cheese and the cheesemaker, not far from the person who made candles for the candlestick seller. They were all working, but it was a steady movement, the steady churn of the butter that I found similar in some way to some part of me as the winding of clocks, a ceaseless, as mother would say. If she was there when I was winding the clocks, we didn't have clocks where I grew up, but I could see Mother would not be pleased with me constantly saying, well, how much how long do it can I wind the clock now, sir Pounce? Meow, meow. no, but so we watched the butter churning, and we 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 didn't speak, we sat side by side, our full arms touching every once in a while we'd look at each other then look away, and she had this smile. But again, I was sure there was uh, something I could help with, and I thought the butter churning was a place to start. Cause then we moved on. Butter churning's one of those things you don't really need to talk about or ask. I mean, you know, I don't understand it any either. But you know, the churning butter—you could smell the butter. Also, they brought over some butter, and uh, fresh. They were doing a salted mix and a regular mix, uh, and they explained it to us and why what made this. Uh, where it was sourced, Hudson Valley, I believe, or something, uh, uh, Sagra T salt. It was it all was uh, So, so uh, we enjoyed the butter. And then we moved on. What I'm saying is, you didn't have to be butter churning in clock, you don't have to overthink those things. And our next stop was a, a, a farther away to the city, uh, to a district with pipes and steam. And things, leaky, leaky, uh, valves, uh, get off-gassing and, and those things, uh, went to this place, uh, called a factory. We went inside the factory, and there was nothing bespoke about it. It was mass, uh, and it was churning something out, uh, and we were there at the end of the product line when it came out, and it looked like butter, it tasted like butter. Some people say they couldn't believe it was not butter, uh, but I because 'cause I'd uh, known that this is where we were going all along. This was a margarine factory, and I said to her, "You know what this is?" And she said, "But she goes to, uh, she goes. It's like the butter butter churning, but without any of it." Uh, I said, "It's a margarine factory." That word reminds me of you, margarine. And she nodded knowingly. And I said, "It's a, c- c- it's like butter, but it's not like, it's not butter at all." And she said, "Huh." And I said, "Let's go to one more stop." And we headed to a park—a park full of birds, full of people—in a park well known for for its popcorn, of all things uh, old-fashioned popcorn in a machine. And it's another spot I go to sit with, so pounce, pounce watches the birds, leaves them alone, just watches them. And I watch the popcorn, and the people with the popcorn, and the popcorn being popped and made. And we sat there again, different, different, totally different part of me that needs to watch the popping of popcorn, and the part of me that enjoys butter churning. And for what, you know, just to check in, out, when I was a boy, I never had these things to learn. Uh, these pastimes, watching butter churning, watching popcorn and popcorn eaters. You know, normally I would try to uh, emulate those things instead of enjoy them. I would just cover myself in butter and corn and then try, you know, I did do that. And uh, my mother, you know, mother, she's never. But so uh, we were sitting there she said, she, she, "She, you know, this was a brilliant woman. But she still couldn't put all the pieces of the puzzle together. And, I, you know, it was complicated for me, you see, because I had feelings. Uh, but I was also working. I had feelings from the past. I had feelings in the present. And I had feelings wondering about the future. But this was no time for my feelings, Shay. Eh? And you know, I said that to myself out loud. And she kind of gave me a quizzical smile. She said, Tommen, you, you're such an un, unexpected. This whole thing is unexpected." And I said, "You seem to be enjoying yourself, but uh, I wonder if you've ever had that opportunity." You know, I, uh, you know, I may not seem like the most confident or the least confident person, but I've become who I am, Mikey, uh, Tommy. Sir Tom, and your grace, which, you know, you would have probably been calling me that for a while. But I became the person I am. I don't know of anyone that was born competent or uh, had a coolness. Now, maybe there are people that do that. uh, But sometimes maybe people have to do that, you know. And they do it so well, it, it is real or it's almost real but then maybe they miss out on things. Uh, And she said, like the margarine. If you only had margarine or your buffoon that thinks it tastes like butter, you're missing out uh, on the real thing. And I said, well, 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 that's a loaded word there. I say margarine's real, it's just margarine. But uh, it's based on something else. you know, and there's, you know, there's, this bad butter, believe me, and, uh, and then we got some popcorn, and we thought some more, and she said, I wonder how margarine feels about being margarine, and I said, well, you know, it's different, people are different than, uh, you know, I don't know if it's a condiment, uh, But, uh, you know, people are different than the things you would keep in your refrigerator, your icebox, she said, you know, margarine is just margarine. It doesn't even have a choice. Uh, It's made and manufactured. And she said, butter's churned. Butter goes on a journey. And I said, it continues on that journey, but we won't talk about that. We already saw the back of pounce, and that's enough of that for one afternoon. And she said, "I think I understand. Like, uh, you know, margarine's constructed. It's confident that it's almost like butter. And it's," she said, "it's formed in a bar. And it, you know, she goes, it, she goes, huh? And it works. Uh, and it, but it might not always be easy. Just be, you say, wow, that margarine's really confident in its ability to be almost like butter." And I said, it would become more complicated if we were talking about a margarine family, right? Uh, And the expectations of a margarine child to live up to the expectations of not, you know, having someone believe that they're they're butter or they're not butter. And what if they said, uh, you you could make margarine the whole game, margarine, baby margarine, if you just did things right? you just listened to our wise counsel and maybe the wise counsel was wise they said well margarine's better man it's easy to manufacture we got a lot of good things going and we, we margarines love each other uh, it'd be tough you know that's a seductive thing uh, to, to be you know but uh, that's uh. and then we ate the popcorn and she patted my knee And she said, "Uh, this is nice. Uh, This is nice here sitting on the bench. Uh, uh, Sapounce was in her lap at this point. She was actually petting Sapounce with a kernel of popcorn, which I had done before as well. Dry, you know, dry. This is non-buttered popcorn. Even though we, we did have some buttered popcorn. Real butter. And that's another stuff that's oil. We didn't get into that discussion. And uh, she she put a piece of uh, popcorn in her mouth, not the one she was petting sapons with. She gave that to a bird. And I said, oh, boy, I'm not sure if... uh," I said, those birds will eat anything, but... uh, And uh, she kissed me on my cheek, and she said, I think I'd like to be butter. And I said, you could be butter, or you could be anything you want to be now. unlike margarine, you have a choice. You have the whole city. It's yours. uh, It's yours, you know. And she said, I am excited to uh, to be Marjorie and see what I become. And she said, where would I find you? And I said, I'll be in Noir Chardonnay, say. She said, maybe. And she actually started working. Just a spoiler, she works there now. She's famous, and she goes by the name Marjorie. But she's better than me. And popcorn. And uh, yeah, there was another tale. Of, uh, uh, and the case was solved. Uh, by nightfall. And then Sapounce and I. Went back to our hand. And ate out of a tin can. And that's uh, the end of this show. Good night. Uh, good time to prayer into the old gods. And the new crone. Sweetsu Crone. Miller Smith. Barky Jester. Hound Dog God. I'm, I'm calling on the prayer phone. Uh, you know, when you need some uh, praise, that's me calling in, uh, praying across the universe to, to all of you to check in, and just see the updates on our our summer camp. You know, we have to think of a name, and past summer camp names have been pro- problematic, uh, so thinking about a name. That represents us, and then think about what jobs you would well one, I guess I'm making an assumption I'm, you know as you know a w s and you and me would you would you please work at the summer camp uh could I ask that of you because the whole purpose of the summer camp was designed so I'd spend time praising you or seeing it you know so we don't lose touch uh, and then when we lose touch because we don't have game of Thrones to go back to, we say well. At least we'll have, uh, you know, Camp Crony Poo Poo. Uh, that's problematic. I know Crone because you, I'm using you and Poo Poo. It was using the complimentary Poo Poo. But that was an example of, you know, why it's hard to come up with a camp name. Uh, I, I state, what was the camp I did? Crone. Do you remember? You should remember, but you didn't, I know I should remember Crone. Oh, but God, so that was the thing. I'd like you to be, think about taking roles at the camp, uh, and maybe roles that maybe, maybe we t- take you outside of your God box and and you, you, you step into a new role, uh, because it'd be easy, you know, to crone for you to be the, uh, like you could even have a house on the hill overlooking the whole of camp, uh, where your brows furrowed and, and you're, you know, you're creaking in a chair. And you know, checking things on boxes and, and and saying things over, maybe you could play both roles though, Crone, like that could just be a method role you're playing for fun. Uh, the the camp Crone, uh, hear me out, Crone, hear me out, because I I, I want to go beyond the tropes. Uh, but picturing this, this could serve a role to keep kids behaving and. Maybe it's just maybe the camp's story based, like the camp crone store maybe we have an adventure camp. You're right, Crone. Oh, Crone. It so you're saying like an escape not an escape room, but something like that, the whole week. Uh well that would be like adventure week, I think. That would be a themed week, but I hear you. And then yeah, Ren Fair Week. Oh boy, Crone. I can't wait for this camp now. So, yeah, on uh, th- those weeks, you would sit up there, and i say, well, that's the Camp Crone. She w- she knows all. She watches all. Uh, that's why you do your best here at uh, whatever this camp's going to be called, uh, Poo Poo. And uh, so, uh, but in what role would you be where you would feel flourishing at Camp C- Crone? I mean, I know, that one, you know that's a role you've been put in before. Also, you know, just putting this out, I didn't mention this last episode, Maiden, but, you know, if you want to, um, you know, I don't know, maybe there could be, maybe this could be like, uh, summer camp for grownups, uh, anyway, think about it, Maiden, or, you know, we could work to, you know, maybe we could, we could take on the roles of two camp camp counselors, uh, it would be just, just an idea uh, But the mother smith, you know, the mother, father and the warrior, not, not uh, you know they can drop campers off. That's it. So, Crone, you could do, do. So that that would be your 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 stereotypical role. You know, to just like you get prayed to as an old god in the new. Uh, but then maybe, uh, what if you could? What if you could be like the camp jester, like the cornball Crone? I mean, I know, but it's just your name, so I can't. Like, it's really I got to work with that. Connie, cornball Connie, and you could be the camp counselor. It's always joking around, and always good for a smile or a cry. You know, when you're, you know, Connie cheers you up, but you can cry on her shoulder. And you do these roles that we were saying, well, the jester might be, you know, the magic show. Maybe you run the uh, talent show. That's another thing they usually have. And they have twin week. Of course, uh, like uh, I would like uh, where you you try to be the twin. You know, I couldn't find anybody to let me be their twin when I was at camp uh, because they still had it. You know, I guess I was always who I was because I couldn't even, I had social interaction even back then and trouble. But so, what was I saying? So you could be the the fun camp counselor too. And then one day they'd say, what is it? You know, if it was the story adventure week or story week, uh, we'd find out that you're really living among us. You're a god a goddess uh, living among us uh, here with us uh, you, you, as Connie, the cornball, but you're also the crone up on the hill. So Miller, that would put us in a position where you'd be the camp cook if you were if you were fitting into your. Uh, westerosi type a limited role even though i you know you weren't originally a god and i said you should be uh so what would you be if you weren't uh the, 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 just the, the, the camp cook which in most movies is an important role i don't know about in the in the regular ones uh i don't know if there's a camp caretaker or if the everybody throws you know all the counselors have to cook take turns cooking Usually you do, each cabin has to practice, like has to do some chores so they'd have to do cleanup or serving breakfast. Uh, so what other role would you be good at, Miller? You know, grinding of grains, you get tired with that. Uh, chilling, okay, I like that. So instead of working, you could be the beach bum, or the bra, bra, and you'd say, come on down to the beach, bra, and hang with me. I'm the beach bra, and you could just chill at the sand. You you swim, but don't do. You're not in charge of swimming lessons. Some counselor that's certified is. Hammocks. I like it. I like I like that for a role for you. Yeah, you could have relax. There could be quiet quiet time every day. I like. Oh boy, you really are. You're tuned in to me, Miller. So yeah, everybody. I like that quiet time, like maybe two or three o'clock. Uh, everybody has to be quiet you could take a nap or chill in a hammock chill bruh. chill at the beach chill on the do- we could oh you could have a floating dock i like that where people relax uh sounds great it sounds like a time maiden that would probably be a good time for me and you to hang maybe go for a walk uh in the woods uh anyway okay i gotta get Smith. uh so last episode, I think we came up, you'd be in charge of maintenance and your forge and doing all that. Uh, I think that would be your, your typical roles. Uh, and those are important ones. Even in the movies, you know, that character can be developed in uh, uh, usually only a, f- a few ways. Uh, uh, but so if you were a forger, maybe like, a, so you have to be hard as iron. Crafts, okay. Well, that's that's pretty... Okay, well, soft crafts, I'd say you have to be, because you're so hard, you know, that we'd have to put you in soft crafts. Uh, So only things with googly eyes or smiley faces, poof balls, uh, plush, uh, puppets. Okay, I like it now. I think that's it. You're a craft, you know, I grew up with the crafty lady. Uh, she did all, all of hers with craft glue and uh, tongue depressors or Popsicle sticks. Uh, okay, that was pretty easy, Smith. That makes sense, though. I mean, soft craft, though. And what about some watercolors? You, okay, yeah, I like it. Can, can we do some boats, some paper boats on the creek or the river? Oh, Great. Floating lanterns. I, oh my goodness! It's I, can I, Where can I put a deposit in right now? Uh, Miller Smith, Bar, Barky, Barky. So you'd be the trees. You'd be the treehouse. You'd be the leadership ropes course. Uh, the shade. The swing. Like she also the council. Everybody can count on. That's really tall. They say, well, just just ask uh, Jenny. She she gets it done. You know. Uh, you know, whatever. When you count on somebody, you can count on uh, Barky. So, what would you be if you weren't that, uh, Barky? So, you'd be because we already kind of, we kind of have usually your fun loving And Oh, and oh, okay. I like it. Uh, movie night because you like movies, even though. You don't return them. Movies under the stars. Star watching. Okay. Yeah, you think the star watching. Oh, like watching the stars and pretending they're a movie. Cloud watching. Barky, I like it. Uh, uh, theater. Okay, like the kids can put on a play. Oh, boy, Barky. This is like drama. Or, okay, Shakespeare. Okay, I like it. So, yeah, you, you'd kind of be this, the camp thespian, maybe. Oh, wow, I like that. It okay. really cuts down on the jester's jobs. But uh, jester, uh, so you I guess you'd be Barky's assistant if you were in your normal role. Uh, you, I guess you'd be more, though, jester. You'd have a larger role. You know, that's just how it seems at first. But you, there's also all the other activities. So in your typical role, you'd be in charge of all those things, not just the jesting, but anything recreational, which is what summer camp really is. So you got different games, uh, different sporting activities, archery, of course. Uh, I don't know if there's horseback. I mean, I guess we should have horseback riding because we're going to have horseshoes, horseshoes tournament. Foursquare, you know, dodgeball maybe, I don't know, you know, how we feel about that, you uh, know, all that other stuff. So, yeah, you'd be activities coordinator, whistle for sure, a uh, cap if you like it. And so what would you do if you weren't overseeing all of the activities and making sure everybody's having fun, engaged and having fun? Oh, solitary, I like it, Jester, like someone like me that needs time alone. You would start to teach people how to cultivate some alone and private time. So you'd encourage introverts to spend some time alone, but also extroverts, uh, and encourage it as an esteem-building, healthy, well, bark, bark, I mean, sorry, Jester, this is why I know you're a god whose name I forgot, but, uh, so you'd cultivate some downtime, a little bit different than chill time. But you could coordinate those things. Uh, hike, alone hikes, okay. Silent thinking. Oh, so maybe you two are kind of working together. You, okay, I like this. Well, that's how camps work. It's interdependent, right? Uh, but some positive solitary time. I got you, I got you. I, I'm, I'm chapping my chest because I get it. Uh, that's the jester. And you finally hound dog god. Now hound dog god. First of all, you'd be the one. I mean, your your stereotypical is easy. You know, you're always you seem like you're always hungover. You're always in a grouchy mood. You seem like you don't like kids, but you do really do love them, or or camp residents, and that. So I think it falls in you, you, to you being in charge of homesickness, right? Oh boy cause you got such a tough exterior, which means you have a big heart. Uh, so you would be, Oh, maybe you'd even be the camp counselor. Like seriously, so, so well, you'd need a certifications for all that. Uh, and we don't do any faux counseling, but, uh, you could be professionally a counselor. That's just, a, that's something that's optional. A therapist, uh, but you could also be in charge of learning skills to help people cope with homesickness. Okay, you'd be in charge of letter writing. I like that uh, postcard sending uh, you know dealing okay, dealing with those feelings of missing home for first time or not the first time. You don't know if they ha- still have pay phones, but you could be in charge of pay phones if that was a thing. Uh, okay. Like, uh, sending, working with other camp counselors for uh, sending, uh, crafts home. Okay. I like it. Oh, another, oh, okay. You know, different skills building around those things. I really think you'd be good at, uh, there, there should be someone in charge of homesickness. I really believe that. And I think you'd be the purpose one, perfect one. Cause people wouldn't suspect you would be able to, but maybe you've always been homesick, huh? No. Okay, well, the, yeah, well, makes sense in your case. Okay, well, uh, g- 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 gosh, that went good. We don't have a name for the camp, but we'll think about that for next week. Crone, uh, Sweet Sweet Crone, Miller Smith, Barky, Jester, Hound Dog, God, thank you for your time. And I'm looking forward to to having this summer camp uh, with you forever and ever. The end, good night.